This is Barry Zelma, Zelma on Insurance, a video blog. I am an attorney whose license to practice law is now inactive. I spend most of my time as a consultant on insurance claims matters, a consultant on insurance bad faith, and an expert witness on insurance claims and insurance coverage and insurance claims handling. I'm also the author of several books relating to insurance and insurance claims matters, including the law of unintended consequences. Today, we will talk about that law, which... Uh, is not statutory. No state or federal government has enacted it into law. No executive has signed the law. It is, rather, a law of the nature of people. It is an adage or idiomatic warning that an intervention in a complex system always creates unanticipated and often often undesirable outcomes. It is science and general observation that often allows the statement that actions of people, especially of governments, will always have effects that are unanticipated or unintended. Economists and other social scientists have heeded its power for centuries. Regardless, for just as long, politicians, insurers, and popular opinion have largely ignored it to their detriment. Philosophers, economists, and politicians find themselves dealing with the unintended consequences of their actions. Adam Smith's invisible hand of the most famous metaphor in social science, is an example of a positive unintended consequence. Smith maintained that each individual, seeking only his own gain, is led by an invisible hand to promote an end which was no part of his intention, that end being the public interest. It is not from the benevolence of the butcher or the baker that we expect our dinner, Smith wrote, but from regard to their own self-interest. Most often, however, the law of unintended consequences illuminates the perverse, unanticipated effects of legislation and regulation. For example, in 1692, the English philosopher John Locke, a forerunner of modern economists, urged the defeat of a parliamentary bill designed to cut the maximum permissible rate of interest from 6% to 4%. Locke argued that instead of benefiting borrowers as intended, it would hurt them. People would find ways to circumvent the law with the costs of circumvention borne by borrowers. To the extent the law was obeyed, Locke concluded the chief results would be less available credit 
and a redistribution of income away from widows, orphans, and all those who have their estates in money. In the first half of the 19th century, the famous French economic journalist Frederick Bastiat, often distinguished in his writings between the seen and the unseen, the seen were the obvious visible consequences of an action or policy. The unseen were the less obvious and often unintended consequences. In his famous essay, What is Seen and What is Not Seen, Bastiat wrote, quote, There is only one difference between a bad economist and a good one. The bad economist confines himself to the visible effect. The good economist takes into account both the effect that can be seen and those effects that must be foreseen. Bastiat applied his analysis to a wide range of issues, including trade barriers, taxes, and government spending. The law of unintended consequences provides the basis for many criticisms of government programs. Unintended consequences can add so much to the cost of some programs that they make the programs unwise, even if they achieve their stated goals. For instance, the U.S. government has imposed quotas on imports of steel in order to protect steel companies and steel workers from lower price competition. The quotas do help steel companies, but they also make less of the cheap steel available to U.S. automakers. As a result, the automakers have to pay more for steel than their foreign competitors do. So a policy that protects one industry from foreign competition makes it harder for another industry to compete with imports. Similarly, Social Security has helped alleviate poverty among senior citizens and the disabled. Many economists argue, however, that it has carried a cost that goes beyond the payroll taxes levied on workers and employers. Martin Feldstein and others maintain that today's workers save less for their old age because they know they will receive Social Security checks when they retire. If Feldstein and the others are correct, it means that less savings are available, less investment takes place, and the economy and wages grow more slowly than they would without Social Security, which of course provides insufficient funds to live and are only designed or now apply as a supplement to the savings that some people have not made because they believed in the help from the government. The law of unintended consequences is at work always and everywhere. People outraged about high prices of plywood in areas devastated by hurricanes, for example, may advocate price controls to keep the prices closer to usual levels. An unintended consequence is that suppliers of plywood from outside the region, who would have been willing to supply plywood quickly at a higher market price, are less willing to do so at the government-controlled price. Thus, a shortage of good resulted where it was badly needed. 
Government licensing of electricians, to take another example, keeps the supply of electricians below what it would otherwise be and thus keeps the price of electrician services higher than otherwise. One unintended consequence is that people sometimes do their own electrical work and occasionally one of the amateurs is electrocuted. If a firm offers insurance for bike theft, it may distort consumer behavior and reduce the incentive for consumers to lock a bike. This is why insurance companies usually insist on a premium, making sure consumers still have an incentive to look after their bikes. Insurance is controlled by the courts through appellate decisions and by government agencies through statute and regulation. Compliance with the appellate decisions statutes and regulations, different, of course, in the various states, is exceedingly difficult and expensive. In the United States alone, people pay insurers more than $1.2 trillion in premiums every year, and insurers pay out in claims and expenses as much or more than they take in. Profit margins are small because competition is fierce and a year's profit can be lost in a single firestorm, hurricane, or flood. The business of insurance is unfortunately subject to the law of unintended consequences, as if it were on steroids. Neither the courts nor the governmental agencies seem to be aware that in a modern capitalistic society, Insurance is a necessity. No prudent person would take the risk of starting a business, buying a home, or driving a car without insurance. The risk of losing everything would be too great. By using insurance to spread the risk, taking the risk to start a business, buy a home, or drive a car becomes possible. Insurance has existed since a group of Sumerian farmers more than 5,000 years ago scratched an agreement on a clay tablet that if one of the, their number lost his crop to storms, the other would pay part of their earnings to the one damaged. Some good attempts seem to draw out the rule and law of unintended consequences when dealing with insurance. For example, insurance statutes have been enacted requiring insurers to use simplified wording to make it easy for even someone with only a fourth grade education to understand an insurance contract. Insurance contracts can be required to be either simple or exceedingly complex depending on the risk taken by the insurer. I once read a policy that simply stated we insure against all risks of physical loss except wear and tear. Simple, easy to understand. Regardless, insurance is neither more nor less than a contract whose terms are agreed to by the parties to the contract. 
Over the last few centuries, almost every word and phrase used in insurance contracts have been interpreted and applied by one court or another. Ambiguity in contract language became certain when the laws changed to make the insurers write their policies in simple language rather than the language that had been interpreted over the last hundred years or so. The average person saw the insurance contract regardless as incomprehensible and difficult to understand. Courts struggling to understand the older insurance policies added to the concern of the legislatures. As, as said in Insurance Company of North America versus Electronic Purification Company, a 1967 California Supreme Court decision, quote, the company gave the insured coverage in relatively simple language easily understood by the common man in the marketplace, but attempted to take away a portion of this same coverage in paragraphs and language which even a lawyer, be he from Philadelphia or Bungie, would find it difficult to comprehend. Ostensibly to protect the public, to salve the concerns of jurists like the one quoted above, insurance regulators and legislatures decided to require that insurers write their policies in easy-to-read language. Because they were required to do so by law, the insurers changed the words in their contracts into language that people with a fourth-grade education could understand, precise language interpreted by hundreds of years of court decision were disposed of and replaced with imprecise, easy-to-read language. The law of unintended consequences came into play. Instead of protecting the consumer, the imprecise language resulted in thousands of lawsuits determined to impose penalties on insurers for attempting to enforce ambiguous, easy-to-read language. The lawsuits cost insurers and their insureds millions of dollars to get court opinions that interpreted the language and reword their easy-to-read policies to comply with court decisions. For more than 30 years, the unintended consequences of a law designed to avoid litigation has done exactly the opposite. The attempts by the regulators and courts to control insurers and protect consumers were made with the best of intentions. And those intentions were paving the way to hell. Bad faith, in my opinion, causes bad behavior. In the 1950s, the California Supreme Court created a tort new to U.S. jurisprudence, the tort of bad faith. And that tort, since it was brought into effect, has caused insurers and insureds to litigate against each other, has increased the cost of insurance for the general public, and has made rich a few lawyers who found a way to profit from the tort of bad faith. 
It is time, and I will speak of it perhaps in later videos, to get rid of the tort of bad faith. This video was adapted from my book, The Law of Unintended Consequences and the Tort of Bad Faith, available from Amazon.com as a Kindle book and or as a paperback or through my website, Zalma.com, by clicking on the link to the Insurance Claims Library. I hope you found this of use and may find it worthwhile to purchase or read the full book on the law of unintended consequences.